I can afford to be. This is small town music. This is big town music. He's ahead of his time, you know, but he can't use it. If only he could prove it. Well, tomorrow's just a song away, a song away, a song away. Hey everybody, welcome to Rock Solid, the comedy podcast for all things music, both new and classic. I'm Pat Francis. And I'm uh, Murray Valeriano in a very good mood. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> in the producer's chair as always, rocking, rocking a Batman t-shirt. You wear a Batman t-shirt all the time. Kyle, yeah, Kyle Dotson. My whole wardrobe. It's your whole wardrobe. Yeah. Do chicks dig that? Uh... The chick I'm dating did this. So <laughs> there you go. Perfect <laughs> answer. <laughs> Is that uh, now when you made your uh, your Tinder uh, thing? Did you put that you only wear? Uh, you're on Tinder, right? No, it was uh, OK Cupid. <laughs> OK Cupid, and do you put my wardrobe as jeans and a Batman T-shirt? <laughs> yep. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, then you got the girl you wanted to get, and, and all the pictures are me in different Batman T-shirts. Yeah, I wear the same. I was going to say, what are you time. mocking him? You, I wear the same thing all the time. Yeah, yeah. black shirt and shorts. Every cargo shorts and a, and a hoodie, even though it's eighty-five I degrees I know. out. And then I always ask my wife, who is always dressed in the nines, I go, "I'm always dressed like this. Is that okay with you?" She goes, yeah, "I don't care." Oh, that's good. That's what she said. I don't care. Whatever. <laughs> uh, Murray. Yes, sir. Uh, what's, uh, you recorded your, your live album? Uh, yeah, I did like two weeks ago. It was really great. We did it at uh, Melrose Improv. Kyle was there. Kyle came. Thanks for coming. Yeah, and Marissa. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they loved it. And Brand. They said Brand. you had a jammed almost to that packed house. No, we, pa- we had to turn people away. I had to sit near the piano. He, did, he had really shitty seats. <laughs> did you? Oh, well. Uh, you uh, go to listen, not to watch. You've seen them. You'd want to hear them. Yeah, you, yeah, you like to hear me. What was the, uh, were, were there any like uh, celebs milling around in the back? Um, Damon Wayans stopped in? No, I, I called and checked because <laughs> last time I was there, Damon Wayans stopped in and did like 35 minutes oh, and just, you know, ruined the, ruined sh- the, ruined show. the, ruined the show for everybody else, you know, because it's like, show. I'm going to, you know, he looks at the line and this isn't mm-hmm. just Damon Wayans, but uh, this is, you know, a- anybody, anyone, with, who's, anyone who's unfunny. <laughs> <laughs> But they just walk in and they're like, okay, you got five comics. Yeah. Let's say Murray's headlining. All right, I'm going to go after number three, which right. is the prime spot in a stand-up show. Right. You know, because the audience has been warmed up. The drinks have been served. Everybody's ready to listen. And then right. he comes in, does 35, and then just pretty much ends the show. Yeah, no one wants to And then there's like, oh, there's four other comics. And then people are like, eh. <laughs> That's rough. The only time that really got me was... Uh, down in Irvine. I mm-hmm. went down to college night and I was just going down to record a set, 10-minute set. I'm like, hey, man, I'll go up first. You know, I got no problem with that. Uh-huh. Take the bullet, no big deal. Just right. record, get home. Uh, like, yeah, 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 no problem. Uh, just about the MC's about to go on. He says, oh, hey, Daniel Tosh just stopped in. Oh, great. And uh, he's going to go up. And like, if I know, like, if I would have said, hey, Daniel, listen, I'm just going to record 10, but I couldn't right. find him. I'm just going to record yeah. 10. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get out of here. So it's, it's college night. It's Daniel Tosh. This is three years ago. So he's killing. So he's like, oh, he's only going to do five minutes. Sure. He did he like is. 40. <laughs> he like opened and ended the show. Then do you just go home or do you no, just... No, I went up and I fucking ate it. <laughs> just ate it for 10 minutes, man. <laughs> it was one of those where I was hoping nobody was recording it in the, in the audience, you know, and mm. putting it up on YouTube. Oh, yeah. Watch this comedian just eat a eat dick. It. <laughs> Jesus. Well, uh, oh, look, we could talk. We have a guest. I know. Today. I'm really excited about I know, this. We have a guest. <laughs> and uh, Murray always says, when can I be on with a guest? And uh, I go, well, we'll get one in here. So Murray took the bull by the horns. That's what I do. And you got this guest. I got this guest. I've actually known this guest for a long time. Because you guys worked together over at, uh, did you work at Comedy Central? Is that what you we told did, me? We uh, did Comedy Projects. Central, right? Comedy Pro- Yeah, Comedy Central Project. Most, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, the gentleman uh, on mic right now, uh, welcome to Rock Solid. This is Denny Tedesco. 
Is there a clap? Is there applause at this point? I, oh, there at is this point, we'll put it in later, right? At this point, I paused to, 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 to make sure I said your name correctly. Oh, you did. Denny Tedesco. That's an easy name. It is an easy name. Yeah, yeah. But I have problems with many, many names. <laughs> I cannot pronounce anyone's name. Uh, Denny, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you again. Denny, the reason you're here is because you are the person behind a, a documentary uh, called The Wrecking Crew. That is correct. And... This is going to be released soon through Magnolia Pictures. Yeah, that's great. By the way, I that, noticed that, that is when amazing. I was, yeah, good for you. I know you've been working on this a long time. And I, nineteen years now. Wow, I know it's years. that is that is it's crazy. Going on to almost nineteen. That is crazy. I want to before I forget. I want to thank uh, Danielle McCarthy for sending Kyle and I links to uh, to watch right. the film. Yeah. It was uh, it was uh, I got up at. Uh, I had the link and I got up at like one in the morning. I just couldn't sleep. So I went up to my office to do paperwork, filing and stuff. And I'm like, I'll throw this thing on. So I threw it. I know. It yeah, sounds no, like no, 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 no. But I threw, I threw it on. And uh, so I'm doing paperwork and I'm standing up doing the paperwork and I'm watching it. And, watch, and then I watched the entire film standing up. Oh, really? Yeah, the entire thing. I, I, I loved it. thing got filed. What in, nothing got filed. Or it's filed uh, wrong. It was fantastic. Thank you. Uh, I, I love this film. I think any m- music fan yeah. will love it. And I, to be honest, when Murray said, hey, the, this guy directed this movie about the Wrecking Crew, I go, I don't, I don't even know what the Wrecking Crew is. And then Murray described it. I'm like, how do I not know anything about this? I think um, I've actually brought the Wrecking Crew up on the show like yeah. in past episodes. And you're like, what? And I know. I'm a deer in the up. headlights with all of it. I'm like a dog. Like, but uh, it was great. Such Thank a great, And I can't believe that it took this long to do the film. I'll let you explain to the people what the Wrecking Crew is. Well, sure. The Wrecking Crew is actually just a term for session musicians in the 60s in Los Angeles who... Basically, in L.A., they were the ones that were doing all the work in L.A. They were the ones that uh, did the Beach Boys recordings, Sinatra, Elvis, Janadine, Mamas and Papas, Fit Dimension. Mm-hmm. Um, anything that was done in L.A. basically most likely had these session musicians on. Yeah. And the reason was because the record companies didn't trust the actual artist most mm-hmm. of the time. You know, they needed to get in, get out, get in, get out. And these guys could go in and do it in three hours, Yeah, uh, do three, four songs in three hours mm-hmm. and get out. And uh, they just basically worked around the clock sometimes and just kept knocking it out. And the reason that this is so close to your heart is because... My dad, Tommy Tedesco, was one of the guitar players. And I started this doc, like I said, 19 years ago, coming this July. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was diagnosed with cancer, mm-hmm. and I knew we didn't have much time. He had like They gave him a year. And I wanted to, at that time... You know, I've always wanted to tell that story of the group of them. Yeah. And... Because I was in the film business, I wasn't a director. I was actually gripping at the time. I just wanted to start telling that story. Yeah. So I quickly put together a roundtable. It based it on Broadway Danny Rose. Oh, yeah. And uh, <clears throat> Diner, kind of. Yeah. Because I love in Danny Rose where they're just sitting talking. And you have those scenes in the movie with just the, the players around, yeah, around they, the table. That's, that was the start. It yeah. was the roundtable. And that's what I wanted to do all the way through is be a voyeur. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, just because musicians are like, and the same thing with like comics, they're all, you know, one up on each other. Yeah. You know, they just jab each other. Oh, and they can get into they can get into some heated conversations too, I, about I, I, nothing saw, at all. Especially for, comics when they think they're right. Yeah, oh my just God. about nothing. If you sh- should have seen the scene before this started. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that was you know the kind of what I was trying to do, uh-huh. and um, I just let them start talking. I would bring something up, and they start talking, and then it was the first day of shooting. That's amazing. It was Hal Blaine on drums, probably one of the most prolific rock and roll mm-hmm. drummers ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Carol Kay, the great bass player, and Plaz Johnson, a, uh, the sax man. 
and your dad, dad. And, dad. He, and your dad was a guitar player. Yeah. Did we say that? Yeah. yeah. Um, I knew Tommy Tedesco from his guitar books oh, when I was you? growing up playing guitar. My dad uh, had the had the books, oh, so what? that's why we knew who I knew Tommy Tedesco was. And then eventually, right. uh, learned more about him. Yeah. Now, because it took uh, not to get maudlin, but because it took so long to make this film, so many of the people that are in the film passed. Yeah. Before the film is really getting. It's yeah, I mean, the reason it took so long is what happened was, you know, we, Dad passed a year mm-hmm. after we started, and um, he was, it was about he passed in '97, and um, I quickly made a 14 minute piece yeah. to like shop it around, and people would say, "Oh, this is great." I'm sure Murray said, "Yeah, this is great," <laughs> <laughs> but no one would ever, uh, no one would ever jump in because they said, "You're never going to get this made because there's so much music right. that you're going to need." The rights. The to rights. Get, to get the rights. I mean, to the music. we had, it, in a 14 minute piece, we were given snippets and it was like 50 songs. Mm-hmm. Wow. In the end, in the movie, we have 110 songs. Wow. And I guarantee you'll probably know 105. Yeah. Yeah, um, definitely. And it was just constant. So what I, I kept going and going, people said, you're not going to get the labels, you're not going to get the publishers to agree upon this. And, but I had to keep thinking that yeah. it's going to mm-hmm. turn. And I kept going. 2006 came around. My wife, Susie, who's my producer, thought we made the most expensive home movie ever. <laughs> and, you know, it was like we had done everything wrong. You know, Well, done everything wrong. What are you going to do? You, yeah. You just dip into your savings. Dip, <laughs> yeah. When you had a savings, then dip in further into your credit cards and your mortgage. Right. If you're and, passionate about it and you believe in well, it, you, that's what you, kind of stuff right. you'll do. And it was actually... Um, a director uh, named Ali Salim who did another wonderful um, movie called Sweetland. It mm. took him 15 years. I thought, oh, I'll never get, thank God I'll never get to 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> Cut to 19 years. Um, he, when he was trying to work on his mm. project, he said um, he got to a point where he crossed a line. And I, 2006 was my line mm-hmm. in The Crossing where you've just done so much yeah. if you don't continue You've just wasted it. Yeah. And that's where I was. So the only thing we could do is build the film. We hadn't had anything cut. I just had interviews with Brian Wilson, Herb Alpert, Cher, Nancy Sinatra, uh, Roger McGuinn. Mm -hmm. I kept interviewing people all those years. So you, that's why I did want to add, you conduct, you were, you were face to face with Cher, you were face to face with Roger McGuinn. Yeah, yeah. Was it hard to get access to some of those people? Sometimes, Mm -hmm. sometimes it was, it's interesting. The ones, if you can get past the gatekeeper, it was not a problem. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, it's in the share thing was interesting because I knew I had worked with share on mm-hmm. a, a rock and roll video in 1980s when she had one of her, you know, incarnations or you know, reincarnations, right. I guess. Um, and she was hot at the time. And I was working on this video and I s- stood next to her, you know, like, like a little boy and said, my dad worked with you, Cher. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your dad? And I said, uh, Tommy Tedesco. And she went, oh, my God. And she became 16 again. Yeah. She was like, you know, oh, my God, Hal, Billy Pittman, mm-hmm. your dad. You know, because she was 16 working with sure. I was just going to say, she became she was, 16 because that's how old she was when right. she was recording. So she was, when she was doing all that background stuff with Spectre, mm-hmm. you know, when she was hanging out with, uh, well, when she was married with uh, Sonny. Um, so I knew that she had this love of that era or yeah. that time period of her life. So when I asked her agent, who I think just because I knew the agent, she asked yeah. mm-hmm. Cher, and she said, yeah, she'll do it. Great. So awesome. I, I heard the the skepticism in the mm. voice of the agent yeah. and the surprise in the agent when she came back. So, But once you get past the gatekeeper, they were all great. 
that's Excellent. that's what it is. Even when we try to get guests on this show, if I can if I can get in touch if I can get in touch with the artist directly, they yeah. say yes. If I have to go through publicists and managers, it I'm, takes I, forever. Know, I, I apologize for that. <laughs> Your people, my were, people. I mean, I don't know how many times I was on the phone well, with yeah. Irving Azov just exactly, to get you in yeah. here. It was ridiculous. I well, love I love and share in the speaking of share in the documentary. Two things she said that I love. She referred to Phil Spector as Philip. Yeah, which I love. Yeah, 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 exactly. And she said she he, she he was crazy, which everybody <laughs> says in every documentary, and yeah. then we find out later well, he's actually he is crazy. crazy. And this and this is all done before you know Phil really went off. Yeah, and yeah. Killed Lana Clarkson. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah, it's it is funny how she. But yeah, like some people, you know, it's funny the people that turned it down. The only ones that turned it down, or as far as I know, they turned it down. Yes. Is the the contemporary artists. I tried to get. Uh, you know, Bruce Springsteen involved. I mm-hmm. try to get Max Weinberg. I try to get uh, Bonnie Ray, Tom Petty. You know, and I couldn't get past any of those people. Yeah, that must and be it, tough. Well, you know what? I'm in the synchronicity, whatever it is, it was meant to be. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because it doesn't work in this film. Yeah. I'm so glad I didn't get those people. Yeah, because those people didn't work with the record no, crew. No, and, yeah, and so. everybody in that film, the only, everybody in the film is either the member of the Wrecking mm-hmm. Crew or worked personally with the mm-hmm. Wrecking Crew. Yeah. The only person that didn't connect with the Wrecking Crew was Dick Clark. Yeah. And the reason I got Dick Clark was when my dad passed, he sent uh, he did an obituary on the radio, mm-hmm. which oh, nice. was really sweet. And yeah. someone sent it to me. And I sent him a letter. Mm. And it said, you know, dear Mr. Clark, blah, blah, blah. You know, and I said, well, I'm doing this project. Here's a 14-minute VHS. Uh, here's this piece. Uh, would you be interested in being interviewed? And he turned... He, Wrote a letter back and said, you know, declined it. And But at the end of the letter, yeah. he wrote in, I just looked at the 14-minute piece. He says, why don't you call me? You call me and we'll, you could talk me through it. His reason nice. for declining it was mm-hmm. I didn't actually work with these guys. I didn't know them personally. Yeah. I didn't need Dick Clark to know them. Yeah, I right. needed Dick Clark to, as a historian. Yes, sure. talk yeah, about the music. What was going on at the time. And he, even though he is a historian and such a great rock and roll mm-hmm. figure, he... Also, kind of represented the everyman in this movie. Absolutely. Also, yeah, yeah. he was talking like a fan, saying, right. "I didn't realize, you know, bands yeah. weren't playing. I didn't realize it yeah. was all the same studio musicians." Yeah, he just got the the disc and put it on. That was a disc. The platter. Oh, the platter. <laughs> the platter. Nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, vinyl. since we since we just talked about Cher briefly, let's hear uh, let's hear a little bit of the beat goes on by Sonny and Cher. Now, who's that on bass? That is Carol Kay, who came up with that bass line. The beat goes on. The beat goes on. Give us a little bit more volume. Yeah, turn it up. Drums keep pounding a rhythm to the brain. She's 16 on this? No, no, she's older. She's 17 or 18, though. She's not much older. Yeah, Yeah, not much older. Those pictures of her when she's this young, she's gorgeous. She has those big fake eyelashes on. Now, do you know if your da- does your dad play on this track? No, he, he does not on this. Because now the Wrecking Crew, it's not just like it's not just like five people. It's, exactly, it's, it's a, like it's like the thing is like the did we? I can't remember if we said this at the beginning or not. Because the Wrecking Crew was used as a, it was a term that came much yeah, later. Yeah. And when Hal Blaine put his book out, he was talking about how the older guys. When they started, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, the more established session players in Los Angeles, they didn't like the idea these guys were doing this rock and roll stuff. And they right. said they're going to wreck the business playing this rock and roll. Yeah. There's a few reasons behind that because 
at the time, you know, LA is an established, you know, it's studio system here. There's, there's recording studios and movies, there's everything going on. So there's real stuff happening. Right. So these guys are doing, maybe they're doing non-union gigs, mm-hmm. maybe they're doing cash gigs, they're doing demos. Demos at the beginning were illegal for the union. So mm-hmm. they would do it. But once you start, once you get hooked and you, you know, you're using these guys, yeah. Hal Blaine, Earl Palmer on drums, dad on guitar, um, Bill Pittman on guitar, Glenn Campbell on guitar, yeah, Glenn Campbell, uh, Billy Strange, Don Randy, and Leon Russell, and Al Delory on piano. Um, once they started doing these same guys, they're locked in. Yeah. Now the older guys are kind of locked out mm-hmm. because you're using the same guys. Right. So you know that's where Spectre would use them for the Wallace. They were the Wallace sound. Yeah, they were the Wallace yeah. sound. Yeah. I liked. Uh, I like in the film when your dad. Uh, where your dad would get a call to go do something, and he'd say, I'll be there in 20 minutes, when he knew he couldn't get there in 20 minutes. Exactly. <laughs> and he said, once you committed on the phone, they had to wait for you. Yeah, exactly. And was, he, was, uh, was your dad, like, just in and out of the house all oh, the time? Oh, my God. Dad or? was, you know, it, it, Dad was, yeah, he was a great guitar player, but, man, he was smart as a businessman. Yeah. He knew his shit really well. I mean, because he knew how to play someone. He knew... Um, he was just smart. Yeah. I mean, and he, he, the guys knew exactly. Um, but, like, it was, it was all business. Mm-hmm. You know, when my father, what happened was in, uh, in 1953, he's Niagara Falls, New York. He's living in Niagara Falls with my mom and my older brother. And he got invited to a dance mm-hmm. at night. And it was a, like a prom or something at Niagara University. And I asked my mom, and what happened was, they went to the dance, and the big band that was there, they lost the guitar player. And they said, you know, hey, uh, a friend of mine plays guitar. And they said, great. So my father tried out that evening after the dance. And they said, well, you want to come with us on the road? And they said, and he said, yeah. So he went on the road. Just like that. Yeah, tried out. And he went, uh, he got to Los Angeles to the Hoagie Harmichael show. And then got to, you know, so he's making money playing guitar, sees what's going on out here. Goes to Dallas, gets fired because they found a guy that could play guitar and sing. Oh. So they knocked off two of the guys in the band to get <laughs> so, one. So your dad can't sing? No. No pipes. <laughs> okay. No. Uh, if you look on, uh, well, that's another story. Okay. Um, so he got his pride, though. You know, he's got to be, well, he's 23 at this point, living in Niagara Falls, New York, which, you know, it's, that's, you know, small town. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to go back. Mm-hmm. So he calls my mom, says, let's go to, La- let's move to Los Angeles. So he basically gets my mom and they moved to Los Angeles to be a musician. And I asked my mom recently, I said, did, you know, was dad working a lot? She says, no. Dad, <laughs> dad, had, dad was like maybe a couple gigs once a month, yeah. you know, maybe a party or, a, you know, like a club date. Right. And he said, and she said, actually, he wasn't going to go to that dance. He got wow. a gig in Pennsylvania with his trio for a weekend and he didn't want to go to the dance and she and she says you have to go to the dance i spent 35 dollars on this dress mm-hmm. <laughs> now these they're poor kids yeah, yeah. i mean they still owe money on their furniture at this point yeah. they ain't nothing so i always think if that dress is really what changed my life his life yeah. music in a yeah, lot of yeah, ways yeah. You know, the things he did because he wasn't going to be a musician mm-hmm. well that's that's what they say i mean there's uh, Talent will get you so far, but so so much of the entertainment business is luck. Absolutely, and that was that sounds luck because otherwise your dad would just be this amazing untapped talent yeah. that no one would have maybe ever heard of. Oh, and they all know musicians in comics know that too. Mm-hmm. You know, you guys have your guys that you go, "What happened? That guy's 
God. Right, right. Yeah. You know, and you go, no one knows about it but us. Yeah. Comics, comic. Exactly. Yeah. And, it, and it happens in every art form. Yeah. And, you know, as my father said, you could be as good as you want, but unless you get out there, you can play at home and be a genius, but yeah. you got to get out there and you got to show yourself and you got to be lucky. You got to be out there. Can I play some your dad yeah. played on? Yeah, um, this this will show you just the range because they weren't just rock and roll. And I I think this is the copy. Uh, this is the version of uh, this song that your dad played because there was two. This is "Suicide Is Painless." Oh yeah, it's I my dad flying a helicopter. <laughs> Is that the cop? Is that the one? No. Or did he do the original for the movie? He did the original for the movie. Oh, and okay. The, and the, and the, but he did also the TV show, but it's, it doesn't start with a piano. Yeah. It starts with all guitars. All guitar. I couldn't find the... That's the only it's one I okay. could grab, Murray. <laughs> <laughs> but that, you Murray know. got the Muzak version, no. Um, no, like, no, it, 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 it was uh, the guitars. For the, obviously, the theme to MASH yeah. and uh, lyrics written by Robert Altman's son. Was it? Is that yeah. true? Yeah. Wow. But I couldn't find the one with... <laughs> No, your dad yeah, right. Well, everyone's heard the 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 television theme from Mash, so yeah. just know now that Tommy plays on that. Yeah, and he also played on Bonanza. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but but wait a minute. Let's, oh, let's go play. Back. Let's play the one that my friend across the table is wearing. Oh, of course. Oh, this this will excite both of you. <laughs> let's go. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. This is your dad talking. Roger. <laughs> <laughs> That is so badass. It is one of the greatest theme songs ever. So simple. It seems so simple. I don't play any instruments, so I assume it's... And it's written by Neil Hefty, one of the great composers, arrangers of the era. The Jam do a really good cover of this. Oh, they do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny because uh, the Jan and Dean, uh, oh, they also made the uh, hit out of it, I think, right? Jan and Dean? Yeah. Uh, maybe. I'm not sure about that. The, the Who has a version of it, too. Do they really? Yeah. That's it's called My Generation. You're getting it confused. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they would, you know, they would do, rec- you know, they were doing uh, record dates. Mm-hmm. They would do uh, themes or uh, TV and mm-hmm. film and. You know, some were, you know, some carried on after the after it ended. Did you bring one that your dad played on that you, uh, besides Batman? Um, I can't remember. In terms of themes? I, or no, just in terms of songs that he... You know, it was, it's interesting because... Uh, da, 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 da. Oh, there's another one there that's not a theme, but it became a theme. There's a story of Hawaii Five-0. Oh, nice. Let's hear a little and Hawaii there's a story 5-0. behind that. And then we'll hear the story. We played this in my uh, orchestra band in high school. Did Mur you? on bass. Did it sound this good? Boom, 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 boom. Nope. Let, let me ask a question about yeah. this. Uh, did your dad just only get like the session fee? He he. There were no residuals. Yeah, like, this, no. this played. 
yeah, on, yeah, on CBS for twelve. Yeah, well, years. actually, that's actually that's the Ventures version. Oh, it is. Okay, that's the Ventures. The, the actual version on CBS is is, is all horn driven. Oh yeah. yeah so right. it's not even. Uh, what happens is, as a session player, you get a if the song, let's say, "Be My Baby," is a good example. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll get if it goes to another medium, like if it goes to TV mm-hmm. or it goes to film or a commercial, mm-hmm. they get another session fee. Okay. Oh, cool. So that's you know that's yeah, yeah. fair. And what you was know? the session fee back then? Do, oh, you, do you even yeah, yeah, know? Was uh, it probably about uh, fifty bucks for three hours, sixty bucks for wow. three hours? And now, like a session fee, maybe it would be uh, maybe they'll get a check for three hundred fifty bucks or something, mm-hmm. four hundred bucks. I don't know what it is now, um, but. But so you had to work a lot back, even back then, to... Well, time... But, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, times were different. $50 time, was a lot more in the yeah, 60s. And they were doing double scale, most of them, at a certain point. Okay. You know, so, you know, they would get double. Um, and then what would happen is if my dad, let's say, um, they call it doubles. Mm-hmm. Doubles were if you would, let's say, he was called to do, uh, you know, that telecaster. Mm-hmm. And they say, you know what, we need some acoustic here, okay? He pull, pulls out his acoustic, that's 50% on another instrument. Gotcha. And then it would go another 25% on the next instrument. So what he, he was, he had, again, back to business. Yeah. He was a conniver. <laughs> he would pull up an instrument. What do you think about this on this one? Oh, nice. And, he, and, the, and you could see the leader going, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, but the producer, or one of, you know, the artist, yeah, it sounds great. Yeah. He'd pull a flute out. Yeah. What are you doing, Tommy? Yeah, exactly. He's got, like, all these instruments yeah. in his pocket. Well, there was actually, there was one, uh, it, was, it was funny that you said that. There was a story about... Uh, how there was a guy, there was uh, underwater, and it was uh, Charlie, um, Charlie's Angels, and the hand is in the water, and there's like some water snake or something, and he needed some. And he said uh, to the synth player, Hey, can you give us some really mysterious music? You know, wacky, uh-huh. crazy. And all of a sudden, my father starts playing, and said, Yeah, that's great. So no, that wasn't. That's not me. And it's like, oh, it's Tommy. Yeah. <laughs> Ka-ching. Uh, uh, oh, I just had a question on my. I forget what the question was. I think your dad plays on this. It's uh, It's um. Let's hear the uh, the first one on my list. You can you can correct me if I'm if I'm wrong. I think so. Yeah. 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 They did the Partridge Family, which is Hal Blaine. Yeah. Larry Nectel. Joe Osborne, mm-hmm. my father, uh, Louis Shelton on guitar as well. And Shirley Jones. And Shirley Jones. And David <laughs> Cassidy. David Cassidy. <laughs> you can almost hear Danny miming the bass. <laughs> oh, you know who I met? I met Chris, the oh, drummer. Yeah, the drummer? I met Chris, the drummer. <laughs> Which one? Which Chris? The, oh. The second one. The second there one. were two Chris's? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the first Chris, I guess, was they a didn't like. dickhead of a kid. Yeah. He would like... <laughs> Kick Danny in the shins. Oh, he, he, just, really? he was a terror. He yeah. was like one season. Oh, really? That yeah. was the dark hair Chris. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. That back then, they, they literally. Now he might have been autistic, but back then they yeah, just said right. that kid's a. Prick. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I think he said. I think if I'm correct, is I think they nailed his shoes to the floor. <laughs> literally, <laughs> which is really a practice we should keep going to this I, day. I, I learned from that. Were, were these musicians credited on the album? Like, if I pick up the sleeve, would I see their names? Sometimes, and that was the thing is, you know, don't forget a lot of these things were 45s at the beginning, That's so there was true. no. Right. When it became albums, uh, Jan and Dean gave credits. Uh, Phil Spector gave credits a mm-hmm. lot of times, but a lot of times they didn't. Like the Beach Boys, they didn't want the Beach Boys to want you know people knowing that maybe they did pet sounds, mm-hmm. right? You know, um, other groups. You know, there were other groups like make believe groups mm-hmm. that were the same group. 
<laughs> I call them the Millie Vanillies. <laughs> that same guy, I they go back to Hawaii Five O. Mm-hmm. The guy that was the producer on Hawaii Five O was Joe Saraceno. He was the guy at Liberty Records that did all these instrumental surf groups. And he did the Marquettes, the Routers, the T-Bones, the Ventures. The Ventures were the only real group. Mm-hmm. He brought the Ventures in to do Hawaii Five-O, mm-hmm. which is... Ventures are a great garage band, great you know surf band. Right. But they don't read music. Mm-hmm. So they, he brought them in to do something that's not them. Yeah. So he... My father... My father... Joe brings in Anuki, who's the wonderful guitar player. It's like... Hey, speak French when you can't, you know, you yeah, only speak right. English. So he's, he couldn't play that part. You know, he learned it obviously later. So he called my father up to come down mm-hmm. to do an overdub on that, on the guitar thing to do the lead. And my father knew him, he knew he had him. I said, What do you want, Joe? He said, I need you to come down. He said, I'll send you the music. Don't send me the music, Joe. Don't send me the music. He sent him the music. And Joe said, He sends the music across town, which is, you know, to the valley. Sure. Yeah. And dad opens the door. The kid gives him the music. Dad rips it up, gives it back to the kid. The kid sends, brings it back to Joe. And Joe says, I'm panicked now because I know he's just going to bust my balls. Right. <laughs> and he comes in to do this thing. And he says, he says hey, Joe. And, he, and Joe looks. He says, here, let's go. And he puts it behind his head. And he plays it, you know, like one time. And now it's nothing against Nucky or anybody else. It's just my dad does it every day. Yeah. yeah. Every day he's going to work three or four times mm-hmm. in different sessions. He's reading different music. He knows that's that's easy. Yeah, that's nothing for him. And uh, and the, the thing that's great in this, you know, if everyone could have a job like this, these guys talk as if it's not work. Yeah, they, they just had a blast it. every single day getting yeah. in the studio, seeing their buddies, yeah. uh, figuring out what new thing they were going to do that day, yeah. and just yeah. nailing it. And then. Then what the other was time the Millie Vanilli group. So mm-hmm. Joe goes on to do the Marquettes. I think you got Marquettes uh, out of limits. Uh, yeah. Let's hear some of that. Danny, you can kick Kyle under the table yeah, if yeah, he's not. Right. Okay, Kyle, get off the texting. <laughs> <laughs> the job's here. Get off the junk too, man. We're gonna have an intervention. It's pretty well, oh, Mike. There, there we go. go. It's a professional outfit, Danny. <laughs> So this is, is the Marquettes. This is the Marquettes. This is Outer Limits, and he kind of did this because of uh, Outer Limits. Uh-huh. You know, it was hot. So this is Dad on guitar here, and then you got uh, Earl Palmer, Glenn Campbell, Leon Russell on this. Jeez, whatever happened to those guys? I know the Marquettes. No, no, no. We're talking <laughs> about guys. Glenn and yeah. Leon Campbell yeah. and Leon Russell. I love seeing those early pictures of Leon Russell when he d- doesn't no have hair. long hair yeah. and a beard, and you're like, "Who's that kid?" It's like an early, you ever see an early Willie Nelson? Yes. Just like hair parted yeah. on the side, yes. really I, short. It's like it's like an early uh, George Carlin. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's when like an early Pat Francis. Yeah, it's like an early early Denny Tedesco. <laughs> that was thirty pounds lighter. <laughs> Here, play uh, play my second song I have queued up, and then I want to talk about this because this this was one of the most amazing parts of the movie for me because I had no idea about this. Let's play this song. So let me make sure I have this correct. In in the movie, Roger McGuinn says that 
no, none of the band plays on Mr. Tambourine. Yeah. The birds do not play on it. Terry Melcher was the producer. Yeah. He, the birds, it was Columbia's, I think one of Columbia's first rock and yeah, roll yeah. songs mm-hmm. or groups. And, um, if I remember correctly, I think it was Miles Davis recommended it. I don't oh, know if wow, that's true. Really? <laughs> I don't know why. It's in the back of my head. Um, but, um, yeah, so Terry Melcher, who's the producer, gets the job to do this. Mm-hmm. And he tells the guys, guys, I, I'll use Roger because he can play guitar right. and he can sing the lead. But I need my guys. And they were very upset. Very few times did the groups ever get that upset. But, the, you know. These guys got upset, and, and they didn't even show up. Yeah, I'm sure David Crosby did not like that at all. No, was that's in, why he turned but, to drugs. <laughs> yes. what, what I love is that uh, Roger McGuinn says, you know, we we record. It, it was it was a number one, and yeah. we recorded it in about two and a half three hours. Yeah, he did the A side and the B yeah. side in three hours, and he said, as opposed to when we recorded Turn Turn Turn, and it took us three days to do it. Oh, it was seventy seven takes. Yeah, yeah seventy seven yeah. takes. I mean, that's crazy. And, he, and, the, and it was always back to is back to uh, economics. Mm-hmm. You know, those days. It's like, hey, and he said, we got to get a hit. If we don't have a hit, we're not mm-hmm. going to the second. We've got nothing right. to go to. So i got to make sure I come in budget. i got to mm-hmm. do the best I can. You know, you, you'll get your chance. Let's just get a hit out there. Yeah. It's still called The Birds. Yep. And that's where it was Leon Russell on uh, piano, Larry Nectel on, uh, on bass, um, and guitar was Jerry Cole and Bill Pittman and Hal Blaine on drums. Hmm. It, it, it's Because it's I never in a million right, years right? thought that that wasn't, the ba- the birds sure. the guys I'm seeing on the album cover and some of those and I learned from this some of those um, bands like the, the whole the, the, you bring up the association in this movie yeah a great band they didn't play anything it was all the Wrecking Crew on the whole album mm-hmm. let's play uh, was the uh, Bones Howl album same thing Bones had the same yeah. feeling let's play the association I picked Never My Love just be- it's not featured in the movie but it's one of my favorite songs from the association off the same album. Now, in your in your movie, you feature the song uh, "Along Came Wendy." Along comes uh, Wendy. Just Wendy. Yeah, just Wendy. I'm sorry, you get "Along Comes Mary" and Wendy confused. Yeah. Uh, Now I'm confused again. Which one was the association? The Wendy. Yeah. Which one do you feature in the movie? Now you got me confused. (laughs) (laughs) I have hundred ten. You want to hear Wendy? I have that queued up. Okay. My point is, like they they say, you know, they didn't play anything on the album. Then they show a a clip of the association on some talk show, and they're just fucking around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's obviously, and I'm just wondering if they just had that attitude. Well, we didn't play on it, so we might as well just fuck around. You know what? It's funny you said that. All right, so. What he's what Murray's talking about is a, it was like a rock video. It was a yeah. rock video that was basically them on a boat or something, mm-hmm. um, and uh, they're doing a playback, and it's so bad. It's really hilarious. <laughs> um, it's funny because during the making of this, mm-hmm. when you you, know, you have to turn in your tape to Magnolia Films, and you got to go through all this all this they, you know quality control and all this QC stuff, and I was like, oh my god! You realize eighteen years of this making, I got problems all over this film. Right. <laughs> you know, this is, uh, and this one thing kept coming back. You know, it's like from the the quality control person, wherever that person is, someone you don't want to date. 
you know, <laughs> it was like frame this, frame that. I was like, oh my god! But the thing that kept coming back with, it's out of sync when the association is playing. It's like, oh yeah, really? Because <laughs> they're not playing. It, but it's so bad. It's hilarious. Right. Oh yeah, a lot of this early promo. Yeah, uh, you got to look up the Lemon Pipers. I forget what song they're doing. They're just like. They don't care. Oh, there's, there's, They're ripping like teddy bears in half yeah. and throwing shit around there's, the stage. There's Rolling Stone videos from the 70s and 80s where Mick is the worst lip singer I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah. They, don't, they just don't care. It's a shame with those lips. I know. <laughs> were, these, uh, were, these, um, were these musicians over at your house? Did no. they, it wasn't like that. It wasn't like they all no. were palling around. And... No, no. Dad, the dad had a separate life. He mm. had uh, the music business. Don't forget, Dad's going to work. Mm. He's leaving at 8 o'clock in the morning. Maybe I don't see him for a couple of days because yeah. he's working maybe a midnight gig when yeah. he's with Bobby Darren or, he's with, or the Beach Boys or whatever they're doing. So he's gone all day, all night. He's not coming home to hang. Right. I didn't see my dad play a guitar at home until the mid-70s when he was doing his own jazz stuff. Because that was work. He doesn't want his to work. bring his work home. No. I mean, he was playing. He figured if he played four sessions, mm-hmm. let's say four sessions for the day, that's three hours per session. Yeah. That's all day long given a different piece of music, different songs, different things. He's reading everything differently. He's playing all kinds of instruments. He could have played you know, from Telecaster to banjo that wow. day. So the last thing he's doing is, A, listening to music, B, playing music. Yeah. He's coming home, he's going to either watch TV, play cards. The only times I saw guys at home were gamblers. So Snuff, <laughs> Snuff Garrett, the producer, was a gambler. And uh, Snuff was, uh, uh, you know, he was like the guy, you know, uh, for Liberty Records. And Snuff was... Um, I don't he, trust a guy named Snuff. Snuff, Snuff like could you not be a gambler? Yeah. <laughs> Snuffy Garrett, and uh, and he was uh, he had. I always remember Snuff because he was always at the house, but he also had a Rolls Royce and he had a driver, yeah. which was to me it was like, oh my god, he must be really rich. He yeah. was really rich. Yeah, he was a hustler. <laughs> um, he was like the first guy to get a penny on a uh, album. Or oh really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, oh, wow. he was like one of the first producers that re- he changed a lot of the business as a producer yeah. for yeah. those guys. And then, um, but I remember one time I heard about it years later. I must have been about eight, nine, mm-hmm. and I walked in to sell, you know, uh, candy for my baseball league into these you know, guys. <laughs> and um, Snuff, you know, blew me off. And, you know, and um, after, after I left the room, my father went absolutely berserk on all of them. <laughs> Get your fuck out of here! <laughs> God damn it! He's screaming at these guys, threw their asses out for not buying any yeah, candy. But, from yeah, the you kid. should you should have sold the entire box right there in that well, that's, room. That's what. That's exactly right. And and Snuff said, "I'll buy the kids' candy. I'll buy it. <laughs> Get out of here." Too little, too late. You got to spot, spot me a hundred. I lost yeah. it at the track though. Was uh, was yeah, your well, dad was your dad self taught on these instruments? Yeah, pretty much. That's amazing. I mean, that's, he's you, such a phenomenal you, you guitar player. And you. You don't jump from people might think you just jump from guitar to banjo, but banjo well, is a completely different. All right, well, here's the, here's the, here's right? his trick though. Well, you're asking me. I'm not a guitar player. Okay. Um, for the guitar players out there that knew what Dad did, and he would tell them what he did. He said, "Listen, I tune every every guitar like a guitar, every instrument like uh, a guitar. guitar." He said, "I need to know where I am on that guitar. I'm not an expert banjo player. God help me." He says, "I'm not an expert. <laughs> the only reason they think I can play mandolin is because I'm Italian." Yeah, and he said, "Yeah, because I heard it all my life." And they said, "Playing out of tune." Uh, he said, "But no, you got." He said, "For me, I just need to know when I go in the studio. I need to know." I, he would put dots, those white dots, mm-hmm. oh, nice. on gorgeous 
Ramirez guitars. He would just whatever it was that wasn't you know he would put a dot wherever he needed to be and tune mm-hmm. it like a guitar. Oh, cool. He had something in his head where he was like. I don't know. He was because of his gambling, mm-hmm. and he loved accounting and numbers. I think that all came together because his reading was what kept him going. For he, they said he was there was no one like him mm-hmm. for wow. reading music. So he knew where he was on that guitar all the mm-hmm. time. Um, so he would do. You know, he's listen. He said, I'd ask him. I said, What's the difference between, uh, let's say, a specialist? Let's say a guy that could play like BB King, a blues guitar, or a Scovia, or you know, a banjo player. Mm-hmm. He says, versus a studio musician. And his answer was, there's a door. We don't know what's behind the door. You send him B.B. King, all of a sudden he's given a part to read, and mm-hmm. it's going to be maybe a classical piece. He can't do that. Same thing with Segovia. You put it, give him a blues guitar or a banjo. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. You send him one of us, we're going to have to come up, make believe we're the best at it. Right. You don't know what's behind that door. That's why we're there. And I just have to do the best I can and make pretend I know what I'm doing. There was a, another great story of uh, he would have the cases in movies. He'd have road cases filled with guitars. Wow. You know, maybe a hundred of them, different road cases. And he'd have them countries, you know, South American. And he'd bring the guy, let's say, you know, James Horner or Williams or whatever to the case. Well, what do you, if they're in South America, let's go over here and show them different guitars. He said, he said, well, what about this? And he showed him this. And he said, and if he didn't know the name, he'd make up a name <laughs> because he was an expert. Yeah. You know, and that was the whole point. The, uh, in the film, I don't know if it's because um, cause y- uh, you were making it and your dad knew that, but you're... Uh, you okay? That's okay. We're all coughing. Coffee we all have a little bit of <laughs> I'm something. Sick. I've coughed. We've all coughed. Don't worry. Dennis, Dennis, uh, first Dennis. time drinking coffee. He's yeah. joking. <laughs> but you're... <laughs> yeah. Your dad seems like, seems uh, seemed to be a big personality, and he seemed to be a really happy go lucky guy. Like some of the people in the in the dock, some of the wrecking crew, they may seem a little cranky or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But your dad doesn't seem to be that type of guy at all. No, he was he loved life. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's funny because I, I I look at my life and go, <clears throat> I, I realize how much he loved life mm-hmm. much later in life meaning like me now yeah. you know he did things um, he loved he treated people really well mm-hmm. if he didn't like you boy you were dead <laughs> you know God she doesn't you. sound very Italian to me no, no you're dead to me <laughs> but I mean he would protect guys yeah. he would protect all of them um, you know the stories I heard after he passed mm-hmm. you know where you know he would you know if the producer or leader was giving these guys a hard time my father would just say enough yeah you know mm-hmm. he would step up to the and you know and that happened all the time that's because good. he there was a great story of uh, chuck rainey the great bass player in the 70s came to town um you know chuck rainey's like the god of the 70s he's next generation and the people don't realize yeah everybody says oh i'm a studio player some studio players there's different levels you know, there's record dates, and then you got TV, and then you got film. Yeah, mm-hmm. different worlds altogether. And it was a TV show, and Chuck comes in, and you know, this is the day when they had film projected. And he says, "In my part, Chuck's telling me this. In my part, my baseline changes uh, time signature, so I'm so I'm a little lost during the rehearsal. But now it's time to go." He says, "As soon as it gets to that time change, he says, I'm lost." And out of nowhere, your father comes in with a big noise <clears throat> with a guitar. And they look, Tommy, you okay? Yeah, yeah, let's do it again. So they roll the film back, go back. 
And Chuck says, we started up again. And he says, I get to that point again. And he says, I'm blowing it. And your father comes in again, bang, you know, with it even louder. Now the folk is like, what is going on with Tommy? Tommy, what's up? Nothing. It, it slipped. Let's do it. And he turned to Chuck. He says, all right, you're on your own now. I can go and cover you so much. So you're on your own. And, that's great. And that's what he would do for the new guy. He would constantly help the new guy because he wasn't helped. Only yeah. one of the guys yeah. helped him was Bob Bain was the only guitar player that really helped him. Mm-hmm. They gave credit to him. So. Wow. That's cool. That reminds me of a, a story you tell in the <clears throat> movie, uh, in the film. And let's hear uh, just the, the variations of music these guys would play. Right. This is from uh, uh, Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass. Right. Nice. Um, this is also from another one of my favorite documentaries. It's called A Taste of Honey, by the way. in the movie and uh, there's that bass drum kick in that Hal Blaine does yeah. and the only reason he did it and this is explored in your movie is because they couldn't get the time for the horns to come in right yeah. so he's like I'll just count you guys in and then they decide to keep it and it became the hook of the song yeah. that's cool and there's uh, such a great sound bite in his movie where he goes I just threw it in there because a bunch of professional musicians couldn't figure out when to come in in time <laughs> <laughs> this, this Hal Blaine he is uh, he seems like a character oh my god how but, how yeah, right. you guys are the comedians, right? This guy has more jokes. I have, I mean, to this, any, I can't believe it. Doesn't matter what the situation is. He find he it comes out of nowhere. It's like you know, it's like from 1925 that joke. You know, 19, you know he knows that there's constantly boom, 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 boom. He would have been a stand-up. And when when I was doing my research. His name seems to come up more than almost anyone's. I mean, he's like on everything. Oh, how? All right. So there's 110 songs. Okay. I, I know this. There's 110 songs. I had to pay the union, which was fine because you know, the last uh, you know real big push on money mm-hmm. uh, to pay everything off. I paid off the labels, paid off the publishers, mm-hmm. but the one I wanted to pay off the most was the musicians union, mm-hmm. so that they get money. Yeah. So we raised over. We had to raise two hundred thousand for that. So when I gave them all the money, you know, the union, the money, and they passed it out, decided you know who's on contracts. Yeah. Now most of these things are on contracts, meaning like they know. They have the contracts, but all the other songs, well, they don't have the contracts. They can't find them. But Hal's on 50 of the songs. Wow. <laughs> Imagine 50 of the 110 songs. Yeah, and yeah, they, yeah. I know he's on more. Yeah. He's probably on at least 10 more. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's pretty amazing, you know, when you're, you know, that many songs. Yeah. Right? Um, but he was prolific. I mean, he had, so, he, they would take his drums. He would go, a guy, he called them the kid. The kid's mm-hmm. past, you know, he was like, 80 when he passed. Um, uh, oh, God. Rick, Rick Foster was the, he would go from one studio, set up a mm. drum set. Hal would go there, and then Rick would go to the next studio and set up the drum set. And he would just back and forth, piggyback. You wow, know, that's go great. pick down, take it apart, put to the next studio. And he would go, I said to Hal, what was the most sessions you did in one day? He said, seven. 
And the reason how he got to seven is like, it's impossible. Because he was, let's say, at United Western, where there's two studios. And all of a sudden, Mm -hmm. someone said, hey, Hal's next door. See if he'll come over at lunchtime and do a tambourine part. So it was like, ching, ching. You know, like, yeah, you know, (laughs) dun, 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 dun. And it happened like that day. There was like a couple, like maybe a jingle or this. It was really boom, boom, boom. I'd love to get paid 50 bucks to play the tambourine. I know. Do you got a Hal Blaine song? I do. This is probably most, Hal's probably most recognizable drum part. Oh. Of course, is the Ronettes. Yeah, not that's amazing. not any money. No, Pat, that's not, not any, any money. money. <laughs> There's uh, <laughs> just funny. just let's just give. I just want to give a scope of of this because just so people know, it, it's uh, Partridge Family, the Birds, the Association, the Turtles, Nancy Sinatra, Frank and Nancy, Simon and Garfunkel, Dean Martin, the Monkeys, Beach Boys, Carpenters, Fifth Dimension. I mean, it's. So I've got, many, I've got so Sam, many artists. Sam Cooke. I've got Elvis. Bobby Day, Elvis. Elvis. I got the Monkees. Yeah. I got uh, uh, who else? We got. We just heard the, uh, the Beach Boys. Yeah, and you got to throw out those people like Simon and Garfunkel, just so people don't think, oh yeah, they were like they were the Monkees in, in the Partridge Family. So what? No, these guys yeah. worked with Sinatra, Elvis, Sam Sinatra. Garfunkel. I read I mean, Sinatra is the only that they were the only guys he would work with. I no, don't know no, if you no, could follow no, that up. Wrong. No, no, no. So what happened is well, it's funny because Strangers of the Night. Which is the same beat as Be My Baby. Really? Just very slow. Do we have strangers in the night? <laughs> A little Sam Smith, Tom Petty action uh, decades before. Hey, if Spectre doesn't like it, I send Jilly over there to bust them up. It's my Frank. It's terrible. It's the strangers in the night. We'd be sharing love. Dean Martin had uh, Jimmy Bowen was the producer, mm-hmm. and and uh, Jimmy Bowen or Dean convinced Frank to hey you know why don't you have Jimmy Bowen do a, a, a you know recording with you now don't forget Frank has reprise you know the the label so he said all right so they do uh, Jimmy Bowen they find uh, one of the they find the song and they said all right let's do it so they bring everybody in for a three hour session um, and uh, they do it. Now, Frank doesn't even like this song. <laughs> Frank never liked that song. It, because it's, it, would you believe that's a pop song? Yeah. And, you know, and they it's do like it. A, it's like an iconic Frank Sinatra I know, song but, too. It's, but, it, like for, it. uh, but he didn't like it. And Nancy even said this recently. And she said, and so they do it. And when he goes, you know, he starts scatting. Yeah. He's scatting because he forgot the words. <laughs> <laughs> so at the end, when he's like, right? So he finishes it. They go, okay, that's great. Now, they still have a couple more hours. Yeah. No, they got another hour and a half, I think, still on the session. Mm-hmm. So they bring in Dean Martin to do whatever, you know, do the next, you know, song, yeah. whatever the next song is. And, he, and uh, Mike Rubini, Michelle Rubini was the piano player who's helping Bowen. He says, so they start doing, they get about three or four takes. And they're about 15 minutes from, you know, the end of the session. And right in the middle of the take, Frank walks in. Dean, let's go. We're out of here. 
like, okay. Because <laughs> they had to go to Vegas or something. Wow. Went to Vegas. But it's like those sort of stories like, uh, oh, my God, I never knew that part. No. That's, yeah, that's awesome. What, uh, I also like in the film you have um, you have uh, Frank and uh, Glenn Campbell have, are having a die. It's just an audio. Oh, that's, yeah, yeah. With the, but that, it's cool because Glenn Campbell isn't yet Glenn Campbell. Well, exactly. Well, yeah, exactly. Not, but what happened not, is uh, they were doing uh, something stupid. Yeah. Which is actually, uh, you know, the Nancy and um, and uh, Frank, her dad, and that's just Frank's first number one single too. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And what he's doing is, uh, what happened is they, the original song was Carson Parks. Mm-hmm. So when they're playing it, um, Billy Strange, uh, I think, was did the producing on this, and uh, so he, Frank's not liking the opening of the guitar mm-hmm. part, and um, and Glenn's doing the guitar part, yeah. and it was Al Casey on the other guitar. He said he says to Glenn, he says, "Hey, Glenn, I actually know what he wants because I did the part on the Carson." You know Carson Parks album that he's hearing. He said, "Oh, then do it." Yeah, you know, and that's the thing about these guys. There was no jealousy. I mean, there might have been jealousy, but right. they were really good at. Yeah, you know, when we're talking about those doubles, my Al Casey said, "You know, your dad once he got his doubles, there was only a limit of doubles." Mm-hmm. He said, "All right, here you do this one. Mm-hmm. Pass the doubles around. Try to, you know, if they kept asking my dad, he would say, you know what." Al's better at this. He's a better twelve you know, twelve string on this. And, uh, he, they would always. He was always hustling to get everybody get their doubles in. Yeah, they, wanted, they wanted. They wanted each other. They wanted the songs to be the best they could be. Yeah. Whether whether they shined on this one or not, exactly. they wanted it to be yeah. the best. I love the, I love the idea of just like you know I want the I want this part played like it was originally. Oh well, the guy next to me played yeah, it, so yeah. let's just. Yeah. Which is <laughs> weird. It's awesome. Which is really uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's on. It's weird because it's like. Like the Batman theme, mm-hmm. you know, they just did it for, and now all of a sudden they're turning around and doing it for Jan and Dean. Yeah, everything was so fast, and that's the other thing. Yeah. It was like we were talking about. I was my last interview was last week. I did it with uh, Marilyn McCoo and Billy uh, Billy Davis. So the Fit Dimension was my last interview. You just did this last week. Last week, so it's not even in the cut that we saw. It won't be in the cut. It won't It'll be, be okay. in the DVD. Okay. I just felt like you know what, guys, this is it. I gotta. Have, I, I want to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I want it on the DVD, or at least for historical yeah, purposes. Yeah, yeah. And she said, "Up, up, and away." She said, um, "Actually, it was the fit to, uh, Johnny Man Singers did it first. And I went, "What?" And I didn't know that. But everybody would cover songs in those days. Mm-hmm. If you look back, everybody mm-hmm. covered another song. Now, Marilyn McCoo and Billy Davis Jr. They're they're from the Fifth Dimension. Oh yeah. Okay. Just, just so people. Yeah, yeah. In case people don't know. I don't know. If, if they know what kind of audience said, do you have? Right. Of course oh, they know. Oh, our audience will know. <laughs> I like the uh, I forget which producer you were talking to about because you're you're kind of talk- a lot of these like 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 uh, Plaz or you know he was oh. a jazz musician you know yeah, and, yeah. And oh that was uh, Joe Saracino the hustler and, oh, was that him but Wait. he was he was just saying how like you know what they didn't like these songs who cares I didn't write it oh no that's Snuff yeah. Garrett yeah, yeah Snuff Garrett I didn't write it for share to like Gypsy Tramps and I, don't, you know, I got it so she'd sing it and let the audience right. like it you know? that was the, the that was the question I asked everybody I said what did you think of the music. And my father says, I, you know, most of the music he's... T- and again, you're right. Most of the music my dad's working on, he, you know, he thought he was like a 13-year-old kid trying to play music. Yeah. You know, like the Marquettes, those that, those, or the Batman thing. Right. It's, it's what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's fine. It's, it's, he always said there's music and there's the music business. Yeah. You've got to separate yourself. Mm-hmm. It's like an actor. You don't think that line's good? You've got to try another line. But in the end, it's the director telling right. you or the writer's telling you what to write or say. And he was like that. He said, I go to work, I play for smiles. If the guy's smiling, I'm doing my job. Mm-hmm. I don't care if it's bad. Right. I'm still getting paid. Mm-hmm. You know, someone said, should he have gotten more money? And he said, no. 
He said, I got paid very well. He says, you know, I never gave, you know, I made hundreds of hits. He said, but I made thousands of bombs. <laughs> he says, I never gave back their, anybody their $25. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's true. You would get paid the, sa- the session fees and session matter, fee, whether it's a hit or if it's you garbage. Know, so, you know, that was his mentality of business. Let's, uh, let's just jump in. Uh, we're not talking about this currently, but let's, let's play a little Beach Boys from Pet Sounds. Let's hear uh, Wouldn't It Be Nice. That's so amazing. That's a terrible song, right? Yeah, I don't. That's I don't, terrible. That's basically a beautiful. And they said uh, Brian Wilson said Carol Kay was all over uh, Pet Sounds. She was the yeah. bass. Uh, I brought in Soup John B because I love. Oh, let's that let's hear that too then, because I'd okay. like to talk about Carol Kay then. We come on this Loop John B. My grandfather and me. If we don't stop it, uh, Denny's going to have to pay for the rights. Uh, if you, uh, Carol K, uh, carolk.com on her website, uh, you can actually do, uh, do uh, Skype bass lessons with her. Oh, really? So how awesome would that be, though, if you're a musician yeah. and, you're, and you're a fan of the Wrecking Crew or a fan of hers or a fan mm-hmm. of the song she's played on? You're like, oh, 50 bucks, yeah, I'll do a Skype lesson with her. Not bad, I might do that. Um, I felt in the documentary that she was, uh, she was treated uh, just like one of the guys. Absolutely. So, I mean, it's, like someone says, if there was a sexual harassment uh, stuff back then, we would all have been in jail. Yeah, yeah, yeah because, exactly. And, and the shit not because her. they were disrespecting her. It was, it's almost they, they dis- were respecting they, her because they were by disrespecting. Her. They were they were respecting her by disrespecting her because they were just like, hey, she's just one of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny because um, I give her, I give all of them a lot of credit because that was one of the things that um, Glenn said. He says, "Listen, we were in that studio mm-hmm. in the early days. There's only one track, you know, when it was yeah. one mono." And um, everybody had to play. Everybody had to nail their parts. Mm-hmm. So if you got, it could have been three people. It could have been uh, an orchestra. Yeah. You had to nail that part. So you're in that room with ten people, and you got three hours. You got to knock off three or four songs. There's no lightweights in that room. You no. got to boom, boom, boom. There's no Pro Tools. You got nothing. You can't be mm-hmm. cutting in. Yeah, it's too much of a hassle. So they start over. And you got to realize if you slow up the session, you the ne- you're blowing it for the next date. Yeah. If, if, they can't hold you over. You're just no. going to blow it. 
So he said, I was playing with Michael Jordan in that room, but everybody in the room was Michael Jordan. Mm. So where I give Carol a lot of credit, she's there as a guitar player or a bass player. Yeah. She's not, nothing against tambourine mm-hmm. or, you know, or kazoo, but she wasn't there for, you know, a sm- she was there driving the band yeah. with, with the drums. You know, so I give her a lot of credit for and, that. Yeah, and me being... And giving them a lot of credit. Me being sexist, I start watching The Wrecking Crew. I don't even think for a second there's going to be a woman in this. A no. woman? Yeah, no, what? No. That's, are you kidding? And then she's like amazing bass yeah. player. Just yeah. amazing. Absolutely. So cool. And uh, what... Um, did, did, let me ask about your dad. Is, is he got older? Did, did he have any uh, arthritis or anything from all the playing? No, was he no. kept it, the fingers nimble so everything was always good? Yeah, it was funny because uh, recently, um, I think that was one of the reasons why, one of the reasons why I think I started the documentary, obviously, because he had cancer. Yeah. But at 62, he had a stroke. Mm-hmm. But just before 62, he was playing his ass off. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't touch him. Now, what is going on in his life, though, is less work. Yeah. You know, it's just an obvious, you know, transition of, you know, you're the, you know, in the 60s, he's doing all the records, mm-hmm. you know, he's doing all these records and it's a certain sound, he's doing this. And then 70s, doing all the records, some records, and it's going slowing down records, but he's into TV and film. And then, then in the 80s, it's like huge films. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, he's the guy that you call in the last films he did uh, in his, you know, life was like, um, well, there was one that I loved. is It's uh, Anthony Quinn, and um, it's called Revenge. Mm-hmm. And the reason, oh yeah, with Kevin Costner. Yeah. yeah. Now, film's okay, but yeah, um, he's called for it because it's that Spanish guitar thing. Yeah. And at the end of the film, in the credits, Jack Nitchie, who was one of the you know who did the composing, said, "Just play at the end of the film. It's all by himself, just all the way through." Oh, that's oh, wow. great! You know, oh, very it's just cool. like play. That's a Tony Scott film, I think. Yeah, 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 right. Is um, and, but but then he goes. But at all of a sudden, the last film is like Godfather Three, you know, because of the mandolin. Yeah, yeah. And then there's Schindler's List, and wow. he's getting calls for where you want Tommy Tedesco, the guy that reads, mm-hmm. or the guy that plays that classical, yeah. or the mandolin, or whatever. I think what happens is, and we were talking. They asked him, "What would you want to be remembered for?" He said, "Listen," he said, "You know, Batman, Janadine, or, or Beach Boys, and all that stuff." Mm-hmm. He says. You know, I know what he means. He said any one, any of those guitar players yeah. could do that. But when you got John Williams or James Horner saying keep the first two months, or two weeks in September open, it's going to be guitar driven, and you're talking four months ahead. That's that's when you know you made it. Yeah, yeah. Really. because they want to make sure you're the guy in that yeah. seat. And there's only maybe one or two people that can do that seat. Yeah. Why get a Tommy Tedesco type when you can get Tommy Tedesco? Right. That's so, what uh, that's what Martin Mull thought when he put him on uh, Fernwood yeah. Tonight, man. Oh yeah, Fernwood <laughs> Tonight. Happy Kime and the and the Mirthmakers. Yeah. And that that the story behind Happy Kime and the Mirthmakers was they called him to audition in mm-hmm. uh, Fernwood Tonight, and he said, "No, I'm not going to do that." He says, "Every time you guys call the audition, I come. To, you guys want a 25 year old guy that's really skinny and curly hair." And <laughs> so I'm not the guy. And they said, no, we want a guy that looks like he's a truck driver from Cleveland. He says, I'll be right down. <laughs> and then, then he almost didn't get the job. Oh, he almost quit the job because he got there. And this is 77, 78, I think. And he's, a, he's an addict with cigarettes. My dad was a horrible cigarette smoker, which killed him in the end. Um, but he could not do a gig if he couldn't smoke. Wow. So they said, and it was like, 
And when they told him he couldn't smoke on stage, he said, oh, I'll get you someone else. So he says, I'll do today, but I'll get you someone else. And, they, and then Norman Lear just wrote in, no, 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 that's fine. Just write in, you know, guitar players, smoke cigarettes on stage. So that's fine. So, so when they were in the studio, uh, you know, back in the day with Sinatra, whoever, everyone, everyone, they, were, they could smoke right in the studio? Yeah. Well, that must we, have been great on the voice of the singer. Well, it's funny because Vicky Carr, oh, Vicky hated it. Vicky had a bad, uh, like, and it's so funny because I know my father regretted it years later. Mm. I think realized after he quit in 1980 yeah. and realizing his ego and his addiction mm-hmm. was so strong when it came to cigarettes. I mean, he wouldn't take a job if they said, you can't smoke. Wow. I mean, can you imagine that? Yeah. I mean, it was a, because if it was drinking, if you were like, "Hey, I, I got to have a couple of gin and tonics," or I can't, they would go like, "No, yeah. you can't." Unless you're but frank. it is an addiction. Yeah, yeah. unless you're frank. <laughs> there's a Vicky Carr album live at uh, the Greek Theater. Uh-huh. It's a double album. It's an amazing album. I mean, she was amazing, orchestra and stuff, and he's playing guitar. And he, the deal he made was, I can take you know, if I'm not on the song, if there's no guitar, I can go backstage and have a cigarette. Fine, right? So all of a sudden, this is going on. Mm-hmm. After a couple of days, the the Greek officials think this guy's smoking pot because <laughs> he's always going off stage. Right, right. You know, just, you know, my father didn't touch pot. He didn't do yeah. drugs at all. He hated that stuff. Yeah. But it was like that was bad, such a bad reputation he had for cigarettes. For cigarettes. It's so weird because I still go out on the road to like these small towns where you can still smoke. smoke. It. Like you it's walk awful. in and you forget. Yeah, and I walk in at first, I'm like, ah, oh, this is what it was like in the day. And then 10 minutes later, I'm like, this oh, sucks. This is terrible. You're, like, yeah. you're come out, you're just drenched yeah. in smoke. And I smoked for a long time, man. Yeah. And really? Just, you smoked? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You don't look like a smoker at all. It's funny because we used to really smoke good. on set all the time. And I used to, you cup your cigarette <laughs> by the dolly, the film uh-huh. dolly. It's like, like, that's going to stop the smoke from hitting the DP. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I was like, give me a break. Did you, uh, am I right or wrong, did you bring like a, a medley of some clips that you had strung together? Oh, uh, yeah, you could do the, that's the Hal Blaine resume. Let's, let's listen to some Hal Blaine. Which is basically the same guys. Now, Kyle, you're you're a 25 year old kid. I call you a kid. Yeah. Uh, even you know those songs yeah. that just played. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just ingrained in our in our DNA. Yeah, sure. Um, I would like to play. Uh, let's let's play the song by the Turtles uh, because uh, Turtles. I'm not sure if he did. They did that. Really? Which happy, one? Happy Together. No. 
They weren't on it? No. I thought I'll, I looked that up. And I'll I thought, play one the Wrecking Crew played on, because that's I, what this show's about. Yeah. Well, I you know, they, sometimes there's false information Okay, well then... So I want to make well, sure I clear... You're the man. Yeah. Well, the, I don't know if I'm the man, but I, you're, you're well, the last you're, thing you're, I want people doing is I don't want turtles... You're more of a man at, than any of us. I, I don't want <laughs> the turtles at my door. I did, some, <laughs> I did some research, and I said that happy together, but if if you say no, then we're not going to play it. I'll play this one that features Tommy and... Earl Palmer on yes, drugs. Do. Uh, on drugs. drugs. On drugs. Wow. He just said his dad doesn't do drugs. I, I can't. About, I can't. Even, I can't talk. Let's talk about Earl Palmer. Yeah, Earl. Well, that was guy's a, a junkie. He was a. He was a good guy. Uh, <laughs> this is probably a Mike Siegel favorite. This is "Twisting the Night Away." Oh yeah, from Sam Cooke, nineteen sixty-two. Yeah. So. Let me tell you about a place somewhere up a New York way. Where the people are so gay Twisting the night away Here they have a lot of fun Listen to the saxophone This guy named Jackie Kelson Okay Twisting the night away They're twisting, twisting Everybody's feeling great They're twisting, twisting They're twisting the night away Here's a man in evening clothes. How he I think the first time I heard that song uh, was a Rod Stewart cover of it in the movie Inner Space with uh, Martin Short. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. And uh, it's just great. If you're a Martin Short fan, it's a yeah. great movie. It's not a bad cover, but it's not that. Oh, it's not that at it's all. It's Sam Cooke, man. I know. Come on. It's crazy. Uh, you know, Herb Alpert and Lou Adler worked with Sam Cooke in the early days. They were like, you know, they said he taught them everything. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Sam was like the guy that taught it so much. There's a great outtake on my website, uh, wreckingcrewfilm.com, by the way. We'll edit uh, that out, because yeah. I don't want to give him any promotion. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why start now? <laughs> um, but this guy, Jackie Kelso, was the uh, sax man there. And um, Jackie talks about you know the flutter. Mm-hmm. You know, he, and it's really cool. This guy was brilliant. Great guy. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it's a good, the, Sam was the king for yeah. those guys. Did uh, now tell us about the film? What, it, it, Nineteen years. Nineteen years. Basically, once we started, we got to two thousand eight. We did the festivals, did extremely well in festivals, mm-hmm. and I would have basically I would have quit if we had gotten bad reviews. Yeah, and that would have been it. But it was the opposite. But no one would pick us up because that's, we still that's had a crazy. Back, we still had a back end of you know I was whatever say, it was. was the music of the, the music. problem yeah yeah, oh yeah it was the music always going to be the problem i knew it was going to cost at least 700,000 at the time yeah. for the music and i had no one wanted to touch us cuz it was a music doc yeah and and it was 2008 so then i kept going 2010 it was actually a music publisher said mm-hmm. to me you got to go back and renegotiate with everybody and bring this price down cuz you promised everybody at a certain price you're not going to be able to get that yeah. price and it was so I went back, started renegotiating, but still was not going to happen. So the only way to do it was I started getting people to donate, you know, through a 501C. Mm-hmm. And one of the recent things we started doing is dedicating songs. If you dedicate a song in the movie, you know, you could put a dedication on the website as well as on the DVD, mm-hmm. you oh, know, nice. and, um, and that's what they did. And then that started, then we started doing other things like, hey, if you donate $25, mm-hmm. you'll get this, you know, you'll become a groupie. For a hundred dollars, you become a roadie. <laughs> you know, so we did this and kept going, and that was the first time in 2010 that I realized this could work. Mm. Yeah, because I, I at that point I was done. I was you know yeah. couldn't make my mortgage, so that was the only way I could bring down this price yeah. of this over half a million. So slowly people started coming in. 
ten dollars. And then in the end, you know, Herb gave fifty thousand dollars. Oh, nice. And uh, Jerry Moss gave fifty thousand dollars, and and you know, a couple other people. So that helped us tremendously. And then people just kept doing, you know. And then it got down to Kickstarter, and we did mm-hmm. the Kickstarter for you know two hundred thousand mm-hmm. for the the musicians union. Music rights are just, yeah. you know, that's what killed WKRP for, mm-hmm. uh, for DVD release. On DVD. Yeah, so which they is, went and yeah. stripped all the music which and put, so in, stupid. put yeah. in needle drop music. Even yeah. the Wonder Years. Um, <sighs> I don't know if it ever came out, but it took a long time to pull out well, all it, that it, music. It's rough. There's a point, it's funny, because there's, there's common, you know, go back to my, my dad always used common sense, and I think there's a lot of common sense that's not used. Mm-hmm. Now, I have no problem with paying for the rights. They gave, the labels and the publishers gave me unbelievable Right. Right. Sure. You know, so I had no problem with that. I have a problem when people steal music, oh, yeah. you know, because, you know, I have a big problem with that because that's what my dad made a living. Sure. At. Of course. And, you know, it must be hard for like comics now with what, what, people. Well, I'm looking, you know, when you guys are in the in the clubs, like you said, now people are doing YouTube. Yeah. Does that kill us? Yeah. I mean, it can. Um, a lot of times the rooms are policed enough that you can just yank it down. But yeah. And some people don't care. I'd rather not. Um, there was a woman filming uh, the opener the other night, just like right in the front row, and I, like, I pointed out to him on stage. I'm like, uh, after I'm like, hey, that dude just that chick just filmed your set. And he's like, nah, I don't care. You can't yeah. even like, you can't enjoy have a great set. you can't away. enjoy a, a comedian or a concert if you're looking through your phone the whole time, right? Yeah, I mean that's the thing. It's, like when we went to the Foo Fighters the other night, we we were looking through the screens of the tele of the. Oh, telephones in right. front. I'm like, put it down, man. We're here yeah. right now. I don't right. want to look through. That. Yeah. I want to see Grohl. I don't want to see him through your. And and do you really watch it later? No, no one does. And and there's no, no one quality. Does. There's zero quality on that. There's like a burned out spotlight, and then just. Yeah. I, I was in the. I uh, like a year and a half ago. I was at the Santa Barbara Bowl, and I was in the front row. My favorite band, Cheap Trick. So I pulled my camera out, and yes, I took a couple pictures because I was in yeah. the front row. Sure. Yeah. But even those pictures, they're not. Great yeah. by any sense, you know. I don't have a professional camera with me; it's on my phone. Right. But uh, so then, when so, did so, I, so once the film got once the film got basically to almost zero, mm-hmm. then I then it's like, oh, now someone wants to talk to me. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> you know. And I built up an audience at that point. The thing is, what I learned from comedians and musicians mm-hmm. on the road. What I would do is build that audience. I would go around this country, and I was doing it's like, "Hey, listen, uh, let's four wallet." You know, I'd say I'd call up ahead and try to you know get a theater or a place to show the film, and I'd try to find a sponsor. I'd go to a music store. I was finding sponsors like uh, dog groomers. I'll get you know because my my demographics fifty plus and sure. people love their dogs. Right. You give me five hundred bucks, I'll give you ten tickets. And you you know, and I put your name up on the screen and do this. And I was doing this with everybody. Nice, I had three nice. hotel rooms. Um and this is how I did it. And it basically built up an audience of now we have fifty thousand people on Facebook. Wow. You know, and I would take their emails and mm-hmm. that would like, give you a prize, you know, uh give you a signed copy of something or whatever, a coffee cup. And mm-hmm. And I would get people giving me their emails, and now we have about 27,000 of that. That's great. It's and the only way I learned. So uh, it's just uh, it Wrecking Crew Film? What is it on it's Facebook? It's Wrecking Crew Film. Oh, Facebook, Wrecking Crew Film. Just Wrecking Crew Film. What yeah. about Twitter? You have Twitter? Yeah, Wrecking Crew Film. Okay. <laughs> yes. So I, what you're saying is my, my tweets are... Uh, you're saying the branding on this would be Wrecking Crew Film. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then when did Magnolia Pictures get in, involved? They, they got involved uh, last year when uh, it started, you know, 
we started talking about it. And, you know, I went to them years ago. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody thought this thing would never happen. Yeah, sure. You know, and then there's those, you know, that's why I'm so determined. Yeah. Because, you know, maybe it's the Italian in me, but... I do want to F you tr- uh, thing on the DVD. There's mm-hmm. going to be that F you chapter. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course, man. Because I'm going to say, you know, yeah, you remember that? No, I'm just, you know, I'm just determined. I, I want to show mm-hmm. these guys in their day. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a, that, they're good people, good company to be involved Very with. They, cool. they, did yeah. the, uh, they did the good old Frida um, oh, about the great. Beatles. Yeah, sure. uh, and they did uh, the Big Star documentary. Oh, the Big Star documentary is great. So, um, no, I'm really happy because. Um, and they're th- I think they're pretty thrilled. The publicist said to me the other day, which was really cool, she said, um, I was, you know, I'm still anxious. Mm-hmm. And she says, listen, she says, I've been doing this for 30 years. And she said, all these films I've ever done, she says, I've never got the response that I'm getting when I talk about your film. Oh, great. Because it's like some, everybody knows about it yeah. already. That It's like, you know. Well, it is, it is great because if I didn't think that, if we didn't think that, we wouldn't have you here right now. No. But I, lo- I mean, I loved it. And again, going in not knowing anything it, other than what Murray's told me, well, I was like and the thing is, it, it, greatly entertained yeah, and, and educated. That. And it's 50%. I always tell people 50% of the story before you even get there, you know it because mm-hmm. you got the music. Yeah. You know, like uh, you already know so, more than half the music. Right. And. You know, so when I'm there, then people will go, and then they're hitting on different levels, which is really interesting because, again, it's we cut it this way, but we didn't expect it to be received this way. Yeah. Um, one of the things I always ask, uh, I asked everybody, and you guys appreciate this. I said, "What was it like when you were at the you are at the top of the world? You guys are the A team. You are the gods, and then you're not." Mm. And again, I knew how my father related to it. He was fine. He was okay. As like he said in the end of the film, I say at the end of the film that before he passed, his last lines to me, where I remember so strongly, was, "The stroke came at the right time in my life." You know, meaning like I have a reason why I'm not getting called. Yeah, you know, that's a mental. Yeah, thing something that helped him mentally. You know, that's I, I can't play anymore. You know. But when I asked Bones Howe this, you know, the great producer, engineer, he said, he said, you're, you got your ramp up and you're at the top and you got the ramp down. It's like being an athlete. He says, it's not about staying at the top. It's about taking that ramp down as long as possible. Right. And when I told this to Mark Marin on his podcast, he said something that was really interesting because he gave it a word. He mm-hmm. says, we all want to be relevant. Mm-hmm. We all do. That's why yeah. we do what we do. Some of it, but we want to be relevant the rest of our lives. And that's what it was for these guys. Mm-hmm. And the other thing was when I asked everybody, how did it affect your personal lives? Yeah. You know, what, Hal, he had six wives, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, uh, um, and one then, for each drum in his kit. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, you know, but Plaz, when I asked Plaz that, he paused and he said, you know what? I'm a better grandfather than I am a father. Mm. And now, again, we all know what it's like. We have kids, mm-hmm. you know, this film has taken its toll on my family mm-hmm. um, because I'm you know I had to do what I had to do mm-hmm. to make it right to make it work sure. because I I need to make sure my family's taken care of but now everyone in your family's happy that it's finally come to yeah this point. Are, yeah 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 <laughs> they're, they're, yeah, they're, well, they're sick so. of it what oh they are sick of it <laughs> oh yeah yeah can yeah. you uh, can you can you sit down and 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 actually uh, focus and watch the movie after all this time can top you to still bottom? yeah top to bottom can you still no 
Yeah. I mean, I watch it all the time because I'm with maybe I watch audiences. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that must be fun. That's a lot of fun because every audience is, even though it's different. Yeah. You know, they're all relating to it, you know, in the same way. They know that once I see the first laugh, I'm out of there. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> I go, okay, this audience is hip. They know what's going on. And when, uh, what's the release schedule now? When can March, you- uh, February, I go in, well, Toronto. I'm in Toronto next week. It okay. starts on Friday, the 20th in Canada. Okay. We're released in Canada first. I'm not sure why, but that's none of my business. Mm-hmm. The Toronto Film Festival is a good, good film festival, yeah. man. Yeah, well, that'd be great, but that's in September. Yeah, they turned us down years ago. Thanks, Murray. So tell us how this around your family. people that turned us down. There's the list. Um, no, no, we're going to uh, Toronto, Canada. March 13th is the day that... Uh, is it's released? We were only supposed to be released in five theaters, mm-hmm. and we're up to thirty. Oh, that's great! Yeah, so it's really cool. So March thirteenth, it's on uh, video on demand, iTunes, and at this point, you know, there's thirty theaters that's, that's know, awesome. around the country. I remember when I stumbled onto when I was trying to get back in touch with you because we hadn't talked to each other in like six, seven years. Yeah, we, I, we, I saw you got picked up by Magnolia. I told my wife Mary, she's like, "Oh my god, that is so great!" And so you know, we've been. Following your yeah. progress since about 2005 or six. I've been yeah, following yeah. this thing for about three and a half weeks now. Yeah. And I am, I am head so over excited. heels. I am so in it. <laughs> I mean, I feel, I don't know how you feel. Well, I put three and a half weeks of my life into this. Well, thing. you know what? They, but the thing is, I'm so happy about it because I always think it's like, oh, everybody knows about this now. And I realize it's guys like him. I have a music podcast. Yeah, I don't you know, know anything about successful it. music podcast. I didn't know nothing I didn't know about, about it. That's the coolest thing. Yeah. I'm, it's still hope for me. <laughs> you know, because I think, oh, God, everybody knows no, this. You're and totally, like, oh, no. this thing is going to be, uh, you know, I, and I've talked to other people, too. I'm like, you know what the wrecking crew is? And, and no, a lot of people don't know. No, so which it's is great. great. Yeah. yeah. You know. Even my dad, who's of that generation, mm-hmm. didn't didn't. Uh, but he uh, knew my dad though. He was a guitar yeah, because he was a guitar player. He knew Tommy, yeah. but he knew Tommy Tedesco from the the books. Right, right, right. right. And is uh, what about a home video release? Do we have any of those dates? DVD locked in yet? is uh, June sixteenth. My 16th. my yeah. My biggest my biggest concern, and this is what I really want, is because I never stopped interviewing people, as mm-hmm. we as I told you earlier, and. Um, one of the things was my editor said, you got to stop interviewing people because you can't put everybody in this. And I said, well, that's why God gave us DVDs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. special features. Yeah. And, and I kept going and going. And I just, I wanted everybody to have a voice. So right. in, in the, like the outtakes, which are not even, some of them won't be on the DVD. There's Richard Carpenter. There's Petula Clark, Jackie DeShannon, and Barry McGuire of Eve of Destruction, um, Bill Medley of the Righteous Brothers. Wow. I couldn't put everybody in. And then wow. all the... Other, there's Billy Strange and all these other guitar players, um, you know, James Burton, mm-hmm. you know, all these folks I just couldn't put in. You know, some people get upset. Well, you know, yeah, it's yeah. like, I'm sorry, I can't put everybody in. I Were there that. any tough ones to cut? Like, you just... You know what? It got easier. Yeah. Um, the last one, but the thing is, I didn't get Leon Russell until about a year and a half ago. Wow, oh, really? Leon didn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, probably because he thought, you know, the name... Wrecking Crew was bullshit. Which, right. You know, it's fine. You know, I didn't care about that. Sure. And then his uh, guitar player convinced him to do it. So when I used the Kickstarter money to uh, basically cut him in, and he's tremendous. Oh, he's great. Yeah. It just those. Th- I would have never th- thought that he was a holdout. I would have thought he would have been like right in it from the start. No, because you know what? A lot of these, in, you know, it's like whatever. You know, and I'm fine with it. You know, it yeah. worked out better this way. Um, you know. A lot of things, you know, like I said, I'm glad those other holdouts or those people that turn me down, turn me down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, 
you know, which weren't and nothing to do with the wrecking crew. Right. So that always worked out. And again, did did Hal Blaine did he coin the term the wrecking crew? Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. So he's fine with you using this. Yeah, yeah. That guy's got <laughs> that guy's got six ex wives. He needs to pay off. He might yeah, want to come. I think, I think come all, for a I big cut later. Yeah. <laughs> no, Hal is like between Hal Blaine and Don Randy. Mm. Uh, they've been my biggest. Um, they've been my surrogate fathers or whatever you want to call nice. it because they've kept me together when there's been times when you just want to jump off a cliff. Because they've been uh, through times like that themselves. Probably. Yeah, and you know, and it's like I never gave up. You know, and mm. which is you know. I'm, a lot of reasons I never gave up. I had no choice. Yeah. You know, then, but, you know, when there's, t- sometimes I run into a wall, I have to go, you know, jump over it or door closed to go through a window. I mean, there was times it just, just kept going. It's yeah, like, sure. like someone's holding me up for ransom. I was like, really? Now? You're holding <laughs> me up for this stupid song? Also, it you know, did- by the way, 110 songs wasn't turned down one. Oh really? Wow, 110 that's songs. I didn't. I actually added a song a couple months ago mm-hmm. in the end of the credits to because I wanted to cut down a length of another song, <laughs> <laughs> and I got that song too. So. The uh, and for starting this 19 years ago, it does it does not look like a film that was made. You know, like sometimes it does look get, like Boyhood. Get, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I spit on Boyhood. Yeah, it looks uh, twelve years. Yeah, twelve years. How Trump dare they? Change. Yeah, pussies. <laughs> you throw an extra seven years on that, and then you come talk. Yeah, let me see Patricia Arquette when she's in her sixties. Then you come talk to me. Well, yeah, I mean, most of the thank God I started it because in, they were in their sixties. Yeah, yeah. How uh, was well? Dad was sixty-six when I interviewed mm-hmm. him, and and. Um, um, Don Randy was 61, mm-hmm. you know, then, you know, and the, but at the time that, you know, your memory's there, you're fresh. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sure. You know, you're only 20 years from, you know, their heyday mm-hmm. or whatever. So it's, it's all there. My memory's terrible. I thought that these guys played on the turtles song. Oh, right. You have the worst memory. Did, um, so how many, and how many of the guys did pass since you started making it? Uh, Cause you, well in you the put, film, like, pictures at the end, there's the seven end. of them. At yeah. The end. Let's just get to the, I just want to get past the March 13th, please. <laughs> Without anyone else. Yeah. I just want to like, you know, <laughs> you know sorry, 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 I can't put you in there. <laughs> you focus on, you, you do the story of the wrecking crew, but you focus on four, you kind of take four stories. Yeah, on, and that and was we touched on everybody, but I uh, think so. Who were uh, well? It was Tommy, Tommy, Carol, 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 Hal, Hal. and who's the other guy? Is Plaz Justin? We didn't play anything from Plaz. Oh, Plaz was the, play something. Do we have? Uh, I brought uh, I brought in Plaz on piccolo with uh, oh, Rock hilarious. and Robin from 1958. Wow, number one. <laughs> My son loves this song, so I had to play it. <laughs> I, uh, in, in the, I'm going to assume your dad had a piccolo in his back pocket at all times, and he could just whip out me. Hey, what about something like? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, Tommy, you're in. He said, "If I could tune it like a guitar, I'll take it." <laughs> um, well, his most famous uh, solo is the Pink Panther. Yeah, you know, it's a Plaz, sax on Pink you know. And um, but you know what? That's but, your dad on the Pink Panther. No. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> if you could tune a sax like a guitar, exactly. <laughs> he said, "If I could tune a shovel like a guitar, I'll take it." <laughs> but no, I mean, 
yeah, it was based kind of, and it fell apart and fell into that mm-hmm. focus on those four. Mm-hmm. Um, I was never going to be part of that story, and it was after a thirty minute cut. A friend of ours, uh, director um, Grady Cooper. I don't know if you remember Grady. I don't know Grady. Grady did a lot of comedy stuff for uh, for us, and uh, he said, "Why are you guys cutting it like this?" And I said, "What do you mean?" He says, "You know, you got something that any one of us could cut what you just cut, but you got something that you're not touching, and that's your oh, your yeah. connection." Yeah. So we said, I oh. and then we started thinking about it. We, that's where I start off the film with my, you know, voiceover, and and I'm not like on camera. I said, I'm oh, on camera. No, it's fine, but just do something, yeah. connect mm-hmm. it, and that opened up a lot of doors. Mm-hmm. Meaning a lot of, you know, oh, we, you know what? I don't know which way to go. Let's go back to Tommy. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, it's really good you too. Know? You did a great job. Yeah, so it, it, we he, want because he was we like want the he, personal stuff. Yeah, yeah, and that, it, it's so funny because we we got turned down by uh, one of the companies. I won't mention their name. Fox. No. <laughs> It was one of the reasons when they said, well, you know, uh, if you get rid of the personal side of the story, we'd probably be interested. It's like, um, okay, well, if you told me that, you know, six months ago, I would have been nervous, but we've got six awards under our belt. Thank you very much. Jerks. Warner Brothers. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Before we go, let's do do all all the... And is there a song that you would like to... Play us out with. Did you bring you something that you like? Oh, that's a good question. Let's look. Let's, I mean, let's make sure it's something your dad it, is on. You know what? Because because how Blaine's kid didn't make no movie. No. <laughs> um, you know what? Why don't we go with memories? I mean, Elvis Presley. I mean, right. maybe let's go with the King because it's uh, and this was from the comeback special, and this is one of the things that Dad was always noted for was his guitar work, and he would do it like this. Well, that'll be our play out song. Let's go around the horn, Kyle. Where can we find you? Uh, at Kyle Dotson Funny. Murray? At Murray V uh, on Twitter. We are at Rock Solid Show on Twitter and follow us on Facebook. We also have a YouTube channel right now, so search that out. And Denny, do all your promotion for your It's uh, March 13th is the big day. So if you please tell everybody. I mean, mm-hmm. it's so important because I know what it's like. I think I know what it's like. It's my first time yeah. there, but I know the first week is so important. And this is video on demand? Video on demand, iTunes, and uh, if it's in your local theater, go see it in the theater because it's much more fun. It's yeah. always much more fun with this audience. That's right. And, I will, uh, and I, we, this, this will air probably the week before that. So oh, awesome. Let's get the word out. Okay. You can cool. follow them on Twitter at Rec Crew Film. Okay. That's and, pretty original. Uh, Facebook.com <laughs> slash Wrecking Crew Film. Cool. Right. Thank you. Wreck Thanks, Kyle. Thank you, Murray. Thanks, Thanks guys. Thanks, Thank Danny. you, Denny, for sharing uh, all your stories about the making of this Thank film, talking so lovingly about your dad, and let's hear a little bit of Elvis memories. apart with sweet memories. 
between the pages of my mind Memories sweeten through the ages just like wine Memories Memories Sweet memories. 